0: And uh, I want to share with you um, why I consider myself a Buddhist. And and, uh, on my Facebook profile, I'm a Buddhist with a twist. And what that means is that um, I don't fully reject everything that is Catholic in me. Like, you show me a picture of a Virgin Mary, and I'm happy. I I just, you know, Catholics put all the goddesses and all the female wisdom all into this figure. So she's this icon and a very powerful image for me. Same with Kuan Yin. I look at Kuan Yin, and I'm like,
1: oh, this is great.
0: I walk the labyrinth of the Basilica. If if you guys like um, walking meditation, every year they cut in the lawn this labyrinth. You can go and do some walking meditation. It's it's nice. And um, when I got to Thailand, the first thing is My job was to sweep leaves. And um, my head was filled with TV commercials. I was doing that. And from then on, then I got in touch with my anger. I mean, it was just like this purification process the first two years. It was so loud. Um, But in that first year, I I discovered the uh, first discourse of the Buddha. The Dhamma Chaka Sutta, which is kind of impressive, isn't it, as a name? So I'll teach you how to say it. Um, dhamma means the truth, right, but the teachings, reality. And sutta is the scripture. So those are the, the ends, dhamma and sutta. Um, Chaka is the wheel. So you look at the flag of India, and you have King Ashoka's wheel, in, in, in Sanskrit is chakra. So the dhamma-chaka is the wheel of dhamma. And pavatana means rolling. So it's a symbol of you have the truth. And then in the first discourse, the Buddha puts it in motion. OK, so can everybody say Dhamma? No. Uh, no. see. Chaka. chaka. Pavatana. Pavatana. Sutta. Sutta. Dhamma-chaka. Dhamma. Chaka. Dhamma chaka Pavatana. Chaka. Sutta. Sutta. Dhamma-chaka-pavatana dhamma Sutta. Ready for the whole thing? dhamma chaka Sutta. One more time last time. dhamma chaka There you go. I love Pali as a language. Um, love it because it's so specific. Um, English just doesn't have a lot of those concepts. And the more I hear, and the more I guess, you know, a little bit of Pali. So I'll throw a little bit of, of Pali to you I and mean, it, it comes. And um, the discourse starts by saying, in the deer park, okay, the Buddha talks to these five ascetics. So to this day, you go to temples, and you will see two little deer in the wheel as a symbol. And that's a reminder of that, that event. Okay. I was traveling this summer, and I found a $2 cap with a little symbol in Kenya, okay, made in China. So <laughs> And uh, he's at the Deer Park, and he starts by saying, you know, let's let's do a middle way. So India's filled with his ascetics that are cutting themselves, or they're, or they're you know, it, think of the monks that used to, you know, hit themselves and, and self-flagellation. He says, that's not the way. Okay, there were people that were pretending to be dogs and cows, all sorts of practices, real ascetics, or, or people that would go like this with their fist and tie their fingers so that their fingernails would come out and show it around. He says, that's not the way. Right? And so when I've been an educator in high school, you know, we had to have trainings on these young people who cut themselves, and now they're hiding it. You know, They, they will put a nail in their leg, and they just press it so they feel pain. The Buddha said, "You know, that's painful, and it's ignoble. That's not the way." And then he says, "If you're a hedonist, the word is he says that's vulgar, and ignoble, and unprofitable." So in the Pali, that, that, that when he's describing just going for pleasure, it's a much longer description. Okay. So when I think about the modern days of Las Vegas, so here you have a desert have you know, huge fountains. There's a vulgarity about you know, a place that has so much concentrated you know, pleasure-seeking. And I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not being totally judgmental on, on Las Vegas. I'm just saying if you think about that concept of let's create a city that does this. Or when when I teach, sometimes I get invited to high schools, and it's like, teach about Buddhism in 45 minutes, the whole tradition. <laughs> so you know, a lot of it is, is is also, yeah. How do you relate it? So the example I give is, so here's a story of the of the Buddha's um, leaving his the compound. Yeah. Sometimes it's called the palace. Sometimes he was the, the son of a chief, and for the first time, the Buddha. Sees a dead person, and for the first time, the Buddha sees a sick person, and, a, and an old person, and a monk. So he's in his late 20s, and he's never seen anyone sick. And you're like, what? What? What is that? So I said to teenagers, you know, when you read scriptures, any scripture, you can say, well, what is the teaching behind it? And so I was telling them that National Geographic, when they were doing their zip code things, 90210 was highlighted. He said, you know, in 90210, there's not a single hospital. There's not an old people's home. There's not a monastery. And there's not a cemetery. But there are 56 plastic surgery clinics. (laughs) And so when you take those four signs of, I am somebody who's going to die, I am somebody who's going to get sick. I'm lucky, I'm going to get old. And there are people who want to experience mindfulness. A bit, the monk as a, a archetype said, You know, maybe that's that for me, that's the teaching. Yeah, open up your eyes. And then in traditions, in you know, oral traditions, when you look at how the Buddha left in, in some countries, it's like these angels come and they lift the Buddha's horse so that the horse will not make any noise. And then you, it's like, Yeah, wow, yeah, great. But what's the teaching behind of it? so, with the first discourse, I read it and I, I had a It felt like an opening, like this is it. And it felt like I had discovered um, a very useful manual, supposed to like an IKEA manual, like you open this and it's like, what? You have to build a thing twice. um, But with this, I was like, this is so complete. So the Buddha says, okay, there's the middle way. And what's the middle way? The Noble Eightfold Path. Well, what is that? Right? Um, and out of that, you know, the Noble Eightfold Path can be divided into three. And as you know, if you know anything about Buddhism, it's, it's special Theravada. It's it's the religion of lists. It's so the seven of this and the three of that, and the eight of this and the five of that. Um, there's a whole bunch of scriptures on, on numbers. And um, so look at this this Noble Eightfold Path and, and it's divided in, but what's your behavior like? What's your speech like? It's interesting, it's like right livelihood. Are you cheating people? Like that's one of the things, like, do you have weights that are, you know, he, he gives descriptions. Many, many of the definitions are like, this is what it's not. Right? And so he starts with right view. And so many times people think that Buddhism is, can be like, oh, yeah, it's something like, mm. You look at the scriptures, the, the very specific things that the Buddha says, that is wrong view. Actually, the first, the first um, sutta in the Long Discourses is a whole list of wrong views. So, first he says, you know, get, get some of your thinking straight. Um, right effort is the one that is has the most translations in English, and, and uh, right intention uh, is another one that has a lot of translations. So, you look at this, you know, the whole Path. You have right mindfulness and, and then uh, and then right meditation. The, the jhanas. Uh, according to the stories, the Buddha knew how to meditate when he was twelve. Okay, and the noble eightfold path was not invented by him. He makes the list, but but to say, hey, don't gossip and don't be mean. That, that's what's Buddhist about that. Right? But he just puts it into this uh, this category. So that's the recipe. And the first noble truth, when he, when he goes into it, when, when you look at the scripture, it is okay, the middle way is the Noble Eightfold Path and the Four Noble Truths. It used to drive me crazy that it, it said, the Buddha said life is suffering. And I see this in, in, in high school books to this day, where um, compared to religion class or something, it says the Buddha said life is suffering. And uh, dukkha, the word for dukkha, uh, one of my, translate, th- th- my favorite translations is, that which is difficult to withstand. is that a nice translation? Yeah. And Americans, you know, in this country, we, we are so trained to be impatient so that supermarkets have measured how many seconds American, uh, Americans can send in line before feeling impatient. The target will do this. And they're like, oh, that, we need somebody in register number three so that you don't have to wait, so you will have no dukkha. And in, in the discourse, he gives a definition of what dukkha is. Birth, aging, and death, being separated from who you like, pain, grief, despair you know lamentation. Things that every human can identify with. So if you're you know the Queen of England or your janitor or somebody, you will experience grief. It's just he just says this is our reality. And the noble the noble truth of dukkha is look at reality. Yeah? Don't live your life just trying to escape. And then the second noble truth, I, to me, this is just personally, to me, is the trickiest one. But Paticha Samupada is his 12 links. And he actually says this is how suffering is caused. So the second noble truth is the cause of suffering is attachment to craving. And many people say, oh, you shouldn't be attached to anything. Right? You shouldn't. You shouldn't crave anything, but when you look at those twelve links, um, you know, if you study and, and I used to avoid that the first three years when I was a monk. You know, we had to study a lot. And I was like, oh, that's just too technical. But just recently, I, I finally had. the instead of saying, pay attention to contact. So you have these links. What you have is you have these senses. Yeah. So we can smell things. We can look at things. We can hear things. And what happens is many times when you have the contact between the object and you, then that's when we decide, I like it, I don't like it, I'm ambivalent. So we live our lives at every moment, I'm liking this, I like this guy talking, or, oh, I wish Mark would here instead, you know, whatever whatever thought might be. But he's really cool, I like it. God, he's so annoying, I don't like him. God, I hate the way that person is driving. I don't like it. I don't have a cold today. If you're aware to be thankful that you have health that day, I like it. second noble truth is that cause is is, um, not necessarily desire. You have mistranslations of you should have no desires. So if you don't have desire to breathe, then what happens? If you don't have the desire to drink water, if I'm thirsty, it's a desire to have water. It doesn't have to cause me suffering I have, you know, I don't have to have a big headache about it. Right? And then the third noble truth is kind of the Buddhist gospel, the good news. The end of suffering. And nibbana is kind of coolness. When you look at, you know, people think of nirvana, but it seems like Letting go, and I I think sometimes of all the little letting goes. So, I started meditating when I was 16, so that's 25 years of meditating. What do I have to show for it? Just a little bit more patient with myself, and I don't sweat the small stuff as much. And when I get stressed out or whatever, I'm a little bit more aware. Saturday I went to brunch and this guy goes, You know, I have two tickets to anywhere Delta flies. Anybody wants them? I was like, Do you fly to Bali? Like, no. Do you fly to Buenos Aires? Yeah. So I booked two flights to Buenos Aires <laughs> leaving tomorrow. <laughs> Today at noon, my partner found out that his passport is gone. No passport. We have our ticket to Argentina, so we might go to Miami.
1: <laughs>
0: and I think that there's, you know, there's been a time in my life where I would have been upset. Like, oh my God, I really wanted to go to Buenos Aires. But you know, if my biggest problem is Buenos Aires or Miami, you know, you to perspective. I think also, you know, growing up in a war in El Salvador, I. Um, to I go. I I used to be afraid of windows when I was a kid, because I never knew when a bomb would explode and I was afraid that glass would hit me. And I didn't like loud noises and I got trauma, being in a war. And you know, if there's not a bomb exploding, because my house was destroyed by a bomb when I was 10. Life is okay. You know, my, like, I feel like my perspective is bigger. My only complaint about mindfulness is that I don't enjoy roller coasters anymore. I'm like going down, and I'm like breathing. <laughs> That's kind of annoying. <laughs> so I went. This is Valley Fair, you know. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do that big tower where they drop you. And I'm like, well, if I die, I'm gonna die, and if I don't die, so I'm like, oh, okay, well. But where it's it's good is, you know, two years ago I was on a flight and they're like, oh, we're gonna have an emergency landing. That something about the wings of the plane are stuck and and there's all these people like this and I was like, if I'm gonna die, then what's good, you know? Why should I stress out about it? Like this is what I'm actually talking to in my head. Like, "Mm." so I noticed that, you know, that, that that that's. That mindfulness is still a living experience. So, Niroda, you know, the, the coolness, the, the end of suffering. Yeah. The big end of suffering is, again, you live your life. And and people think of enlightenment as these big, you know, because you hear of these gurus or their psychic powers. There's, there's 13 my, main psychic powers that people can get and they can read. And you can think that it's such an exalted experience. But in my life now, I just I really pay attention to all this little, let me road our experiences like letting go, um, being more compassionate to people that I don't like. Yeah, I noticed that. Like last year, um, my supervisor was just three months of I was I was feeling so tense. Like I cannot stand the way you communicate, and you're doing this and you're unprofessional. And then finally, I was like, oh, you're my teacher. <laughs> <laughs> it took me three months to say that to myself. You're my <laughs> Oh,
1: thank
0: you for being <laughs> <that>. <laughs> <laughs> And it changed. You know, I was like, you're being unprofessional. You're contradicting yourself. Isn't that interesting? It really has such a huge impact. And by that, it, you know, it generally follows is the relationship gets a little bit better. Because I'm not adding to a tango, right? So she's not any more professional in many ways, but my relationship was a lot softer. Does that make sense? Softer. This is sense. Ah. So practice has helped me with that. The other thing is I'm, I'm a little bit more flexible. Like I'm not, you know, when I was 16, at 15, I became a vegetarian, and my mom has supported me with everything. Like, Mom, I want to dye my hair purple. Okay. Mom, I'm gay." Okay. Mom, I'm, I'm becoming a vegetarian. Ah!
1: You're gonna die! You know, she's like, ah, That's horrible!
0: <laughs> so my cousin and I, we went to buy some tofu, and I cut the tofu and I put it on the stove without anything. Not even salt, and I'm like, that's what vegetarians eat. <laughs> it didn't taste that great. And now I'm a great cook. I cook really well because I had to learn, yeah? But about two years ago, I started calling myself a cheating vegetarian. i like, oh, you know. I, I don't feel so, um, again, kind of tight about being a vegetarian is part of who I am. And it's good. And it's so horrible to kill animals. There's some Chinese Buddhist traditions that say you will go to a very specific hell if you eat animals. Say, what if that cow was your mother? That they actually say this. Or or things like, if I don't meditate one day, I'm bad. Oh. Should I shouldn't be playing um, Angry Birds on my phone? <laughs> <laughs> It's OK. It's, you know, I'm a lot softer with what I do, this less judgmental of, of who I am and what I do, and, and it's OK. <coughs> it's good. So moving on down to the scripture that the fourth noble truth is. Um, this path of uh, having wisdom and integrity and meditation. Because that's how you do it. And so he finished giving that speech to the five ascetics. And at that moment, the earth gods celebrate the scripture. And they give the news to the gods above. And then those gods talk to the gods about them until they're all celebrating. That this has happened. Psychologists have a field day with Buddhist cosmology because there are 33 realms, and we're in the fifth one. Okay, so the the one below us, you know, you have animals, and you can have like um, asuras are kind of like titans and and hungry ghosts, and then hell, and then above us, I and mean, you have like fairies and gnomes and angels and angelic musicians, and you have all of this. And psychologists have been clever enough, and also I was clever enough to also notice, that each realm in a cosmology also describes a way of being. So if you're so addicted to drugs or alcohol yeah, that it's a hungry ghost experience, or, that, or, or you know when you're fully depressed, yeah, that it's, it's, it's a very tight experience. Or where you sadistic that you enjoy somebody else's suffering. You're a demon. And as you go up, you're an environmentalist. You're like these little fairies, you know, who <laughs> like. <people. laughs> or you're a musician. And then there are some gods who they they're not even they don't even bother creating, they just enjoy the creation of others. So the sponsors of the arts. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: they don't even bother making the art, they just like oh. <laughs> the artist. Then you go up and you become with the meditators. You look at, at you know, that there's the gods of light. There's the, there's the realm of neither perception or non perception. Whatever that means.
1: <laughs>
0: when you look at the seven jhanas, these states of where the mind goes, if you allow it to quiet down, okay? Doesn't matter whether you're a Buddhist. I'm a big fa- fan of uh, St. Teresa of Avila. It is a Catholic nun who was told to write a book, The Interior Castle, and she describes the jhanas, the seven stages of meditation, in Christian language. Amazingly similar. That's where the mind goes. Yeah? And Christians will say, When I empty my mind, the grace of God can come in. Same thing. And the scripture ends. By the Buddha noticing that out of the five ascetics, Kondanya gets it. Okay? So he looks at his eyes or whatever and he's like, kundanya knows. And from that time, he's known as Anya Kondanya, the one who knows. So he's very happy that, you know, one out of five got it. So he said, This is my discourse. And you know, the reason why he gave it the discourse is because. Uh, Mahasahampati, his god, came in and said, please teach. And the Buddha said, no, nobody's going to get this. Please, there are some people who have little dust in their eyes, out of compassion for them, teach. And that phrase in Pali is what in Buddhist countries they chant whenever you ask somebody to teach the Dhamma. They say, for those of us who have little dust in their eyes, out of compassion for us, teach us comes from the very first um, discourse. Um, If there's anything that is confusing or offensive or inaccurate, I apologize for that. If there's anything that has been useful, um, give credit to my teachers and my friends in the Dhamma. Now it's time for a little bit of discussion. I was thinking about taking five minutes. You can look at the person sort of next to you and and talk about, I call it bumper sticker wisdom.
1: <laughs>
0: like, what are th- what are things in your life that talk to you or that you live by? Or is there something? Why are you attracted to Buddhism? So I'm going to ask you to spend two minutes talking about what kind of helps you in your life, and then allow for the other person two minutes, 30, 30 seconds to say your name. And then we'll come back and, and, uh, and see if you have any comments or questions that I can address. Just look at somebody next to you. Spend a little bit of time while you're here. Some of your bumpers to with wisdom. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org